Hi everyone, I'm Nerd Bummer. And I'm Tactic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And this is Collateral Cinema with... Spy Hearts Podcast. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And welcome to our season six finale. God damn, guys. I, I cannot believe that we have gotten this far with this show, right? Stuck together six years, man. Almost I'm, ten years. Something like that, You think right? we can go there? You think we can get ten years? I didn't know, man. I mean... Well, it, we're going to have to. We're in it for the long haul anyway, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, we're, we're just going to keep doing this just until the end of time, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, we got nothing <laughs> else to do. We live in the hill countries. Yeah, we're out in the hill. We're out somewhere in the hill country. Yep. And... Yeah, on our season finale, we actually have some very interesting guests with us who have been on the podcast before on our uh, Star Wars prequel uh, episode, and that is Cam the Provocateur and Agent Scott from the Spy Hearts podcast. How are you guys doing? Living the dream. Well, wonderful. Yep. Thank you for having us back on the show. We're keeping up our sort of score, our record of coming on your show and not talking about spy movies, despite that being our expertise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess there's some espionage and intrigue involved in Star Wars. So maybe that's kind of up your alley, especially the prequels, you know? Yeah. Uh, Rogue One counts as a spy movie. Definitely. Yeah. That wasn't bad either. Rogue One's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Rogue One is awesome. I, li I like Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, Rogue One is yeah. probably actually one of the better Star Wars movies, and it's not even part of the quote-unquote Skywalker saga. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, and that that's yeah, that needed that, you know. Yeah. And but speaking of Star Wars, we're actually doing a movie with Mark Hamill in it, and it's kind of a unique movie for its time, right, Robert? Yeah. Um. I don't know, I'm just thinking Peter Cushing, like you said, wrote one when they CGI'd him, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing, dude. That was amazing. Go, 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 yeah. We got to go back to Star Wars, yeah, right? okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we are doing the Mark Hamill and Annie Potts uh, 
road movie slash car movie slash romantic comedy Corvette Summer, which is kind of fitting because here in Texas, we're officially kind of getting our first dose of summer. Like it's starting to get up into the uh, upper 80s and uh, lower to mid 90s. That's like pre-summer. And then eventually we're just going to get slapped with the triple digits Mm -hmm. after a while. So it's going to get hot. Yeah. But this is a fitting movie to start that off with, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you do. No, no that's it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Ash. Anyway, Corvettes and it being summer, we should go get one of Corvette summer. I know. I wish we could have a Corvette summer right now. Wouldn't with, that be uh, awesome? Margot Robbie and Brian Gosling. <laughs> Drive that Corvette Barbie car, right? Right, Ash? Right? Exactly. I mean, this is another car movie, right? So that that's why this was your pick, Robert. Um, but uh, to our guests from Spy Hards, what, uh, out, of, out of all the choices that we presented to you to come on and uh, guest on an episode, what made you stand out? Like, or what made this one stand out for you? I'm going to bat this over to my uh, ever, ever-loving co-host, Cam, because this was very much his pick. Yeah, so uh, the reason was I had never seen it. But I remember when I was younger, I was a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan. And my mom would reference the only other thing she'd seen Mark Hamill in was Corvette Summer. And so when I saw it on the list, I was like, oh, I've actually heard about this movie. It has a certain amount of infamy is the wrong word. But at least in terms of like Mark Hamill star vehicles, there's not a lot out there. And this one's very notable. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I think this was... Right around that time frame, too, I think this was right after uh, the original Star Wars, if I'm not mistaken. This was 1978, so yeah. You are correct. So, fresh off of A New Hope, which originally was simply Star Wars, right? Um, uh, Mark Hamill uh, did a car movie with Annie Potts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd seen him in outside of this was like Time Runner. Like, Mark Hamill's star, it seemed, exploded for uh, Corvette Summer, and then it was back to Star Wars. And there's not a lot of other star vehicles until, like, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really recall a whole lot of other movies from this uh, period of time that he was in. I mean, and, and it was kind of weird because he was a pretty hot ticket at the time, you know, having played Luke Skywalker in, like, one of the biggest franchises of that era. What would eventually become one of the biggest franchises mm-hmm. of all time, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a movie called The Big Red One, a World War II movie that's actually very good, but it's more of a smaller supporting role. And that's probably, uh, I think that's 1980. Yeah, a few years after this one. Hmm. Right on. But this was Robert's pick for the podcast. And as usual, I am going to ask him, uh, why did you pick this movie for for the podcast? Um, Because this is mostly... A child-based movie for me, really. Like, for, like from your childhood and whatnot. Uh, as being my childhood at 21 years old when I first saw it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can we can call it that. But um, no, uh, I was introduced to this through my father, and we had just we found it at Half Price Books, and oh, you, you know, one of those. Kind of like new age blockbuster videos where you're going. Oh, oh exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, um, I had this whole made for TV movie thing, and then we just stumbled upon this, and then we put it on, and 
yeah, I do fell in love with it my, uh, right away, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's this isn't a made-for-TV movie, is it, though? I think it came on television at one point, you know? Yeah, but back in the seventies, it had a it had a theatrical release though. It had a theatrical release, and yeah, from I what know. I understand, it was a little bit of a hit. Like they they made this for about like what it was like around nine million dollars. It was nine like million dollars, wow. and it grossed over thirty million. So it did make a good profit. Yeah, but at the time, nine million nine million dollars that was kind of considered a little high for a movie like this. In nineteen seventy, yeah, that's a huge uh, budget. Yeah, especially a movie that seems to really mix different genres like this one does, you know? Like, on one hand, this is very much a car lover's movie. It's about a boy who finds his dream car, builds his dream car, has that dream car stolen, and then goes to retrieve it and finds love along the way. It's it's a classic American story, Mm -hmm. right? Classic American story, Greg. (laughs) Absolutely. Um. Actually, the one of the reasons I chose this movie is because my stepdad actually built one of these Corvette base models, and it was a 1973. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. So I have seen this car in person. Nice. Yeah, except without the hood, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. And Yeah, I mean, the car is both kind of a MacGuffin of this movie, but also kind of a character in its own right. You know, especially with just the design that was put into it. Oh, yeah, that was one-of-a-kind design. Um, He switched up the hood. He uh, switched up the rear end, and he converted it to right-hand drive. So it does stand out. It's one-of-a-kind. It really is. And we were talking with uh, Cam and Scott a few seconds earlier, and... Apparently, I mean, they have a different take on this because they don't have a whole lot of experience with cars, right, guys? Well, I mean, I've I've drove for a very long time before I wasn't able to drive anymore. I would just say, in terms of the right-hand drive, I did feel very much at home as we do use right-hand drive here in the UK and drive oh, on yeah. the correct side yeah. of the road, obviously, yeah. compared yeah. to all you North Americans. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, it's um. It's interesting because I've, I think I've driven like maybe one or two cars in my entire life. Cam doesn't even drive. So we haven't really got that sort of physical uh, like appeal of a car. Like we don't, I don't think Cam or I see a car and go, ooh, ah. No. It's, it's, it's more just that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, I, man. I, do, I was 12 years old. My first car, you wouldn't believe this, was a 1970 Mach 1. Nice. I found that car in... It was buried in fucking dirt, man. And I dug it out with a shovel and I brought it back home. And then I fell in love with cars ever since then, just being 12 years old. I paid $500 for it. Wow. Can I, and it, it was too good. Can I ask you a question then? It, you know, you've got this deep ingrained love of cars. This vehicle, this Corvette that they're focusing on in this film, is that an actual car that could be created and put on the road? Because it feels like it's like a made-up... I mean, I know a Corvette is a rear vehicle, but, like, the hood looks all like it's made up for movies. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a real thing. It feels really, like, bespoke. It looks like a concept car to me, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it looks like he put his own version of GM's concept together from the 70s. And honestly, I think they could mass-produce this thing, you know, and make it drivable. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it would be too hard either. Hmm. No, it couldn't be. I mean, 
I mean, they, they made this version roadworthy, and I believe that they still kind of uh, show it off with other movie cars, right? Yeah, definitely. To this day, like, like with yeah. the uh, Thunderbird from, uh, like, Smokey and the Bandit or yeah. the Ecto-1 and whatnot. You know, it, yeah. it, it is kind of iconic in its own Kind way. of the same way they mass-produced the DeLorean Back to the Future car, and they still mass-produce uh, David Hasselhoff's Knight Rider car. Oh, nice. You, I think they can just put these on the road, nice. you know? Excellent, yeah. Yeah, see, like you guys, I'm I'm not really a car guy either. Um, in fact, I'm currently not driving either. But uh, I can respect a, uh, a a good car, like a like a well good looking one, like the Corvette in this, or uh, really anything we've yeah. we've watched in some of the car movies we've done on the podcast. Uh, I mean, thinking back to uh, Gone in sixty seconds, that car was pretty sweet. Yeah, exactly. As it being the the American muscle, bro, we just appreciate it. Like, yeah. oh no, man, we just want it, you know. <laughs> There's an aesthetic to it, yeah, and the whole fact that it's like it's a right-handed car that that's cool. Um, and uh, I I also can empathize, I think, somewhat with Mark Hamill's character because you know, like, I've had things in my life that like, hey, this is something really important to me. And it, a lot of people, other people, don't understand the relationship I have with this thing, you know. And then for for uh, uh, Mark Hamill's character, it's it's this car, right? Yeah, I guess in some way we all kind of have that, you know, white whale when it comes to our hobbies, yeah. more or less. You it, know? It's it's another thing. It's remember in the beginning, the opening credits, where they're the whole high school is looking for a car to find in yeah. the junkyard, right? So they're looking for this car, and he's and Mark Hamill pretty much almost gives up on finding a car, and he sits down, and the Corvette emblem just lands right on his lap, right? Almost as if it's kind of ordained from heaven, right? Yeah, almost like it was destiny, almost like it chose him, you know? Exactly. And then he looks up, and then there's the body of a stingray, right? Yeah, and he is so excited by that. I mean, just, just that, that entire sequence is kind of funny in its own right because he is kind of, he's kind of a madman in this movie and it kind of starts uh, here when he sees that stingray. I mean, he's just like, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's that scene with Annie Potts where uh, he's kind of describing the love that he has for the car, but it's obviously a double entendre and he's actually trying to tell her how he kind of feels about her. And I actually really like that sequence because, you know, it's just the way that he describes uh, this love that could, you know, and be interpreted for her or for the car. Um, and, and I think that it's interesting that in that way he draws that parallel, you know? I just was wondering, though, like, for the point of view of the motivation of the character, wouldn't it have made more sense if it was his car? It wasn't even his car, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the school project. I mean, technically, yeah, no, you're right. It didn't belong to him to begin with, but it was his design. Yeah. He's just in love with this thing, and it's not even his. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's just on the principle of just how much he put into it. I, I could kind of feel him there, you know, because yeah. that, that is a work of craftsmanship to a degree. You yeah. Know what I mean? Honestly, yeah, he put his heart and soul into this thing. Yeah. And it wasn't even his to begin with. Yeah. 
I, I was I was a bit concerned at one point. Just the obsession with the car was going to turn into like a an old school version of la- last year's film Tatane. <laughs> like there was going to be some uh, very involved relations with that car. Oh, or that uh, Cameron Diaz and the Counselor. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what are you doing with that exhaust pipe? Put it down, Mark. Oh no. Yeah, that that that's a disturbing thought in, in, in its own right, and an interesting movie, Titan, as well. But here, I I really like Mark Hamill's performance, although it's it's very obvious that he is uh, not at a hundred percent. Because I believe that this was act this was right after he had his accident that uh, completely fucked his face up. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think that maybe he just kind of took some of his frustrations of the healing process out in this role a little bit because yeah. I mean, th- there's times where he just kind of lets loose where he's kind of scary. Yeah. There know? was one critic that said, uh, he looked like a ghoul in some of the lighting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like he looked ghoulish. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and because he came out of a car crash. Yeah. 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 Which makes this movie even more interesting. It's like he just came out of a car crash, and now here he is in a goddamn Corvette Stingray, yeah. fucking driving chicken and whatnot. Yeah, he's he's lucky though, because uh, Cliff Montgomery came out of a car crash, and he wasn't the same after that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. He, he no, he was lucky to come out and yeah. still, you know, entertain us as Luke Skywalker later on. Yeah. Yeah. True. But the other, the other part of this movie, the, which is like the best part of this movie, is Annie Potts, one hundred percent. Like she is so adorable in this movie. Like, I mean, she was apparently she was on uh, Designing Women, which was a sitcom back in the late eighties, early nineties. Not not even late eighties, early nineties. Like in the late seventies, right? No, no, it's yeah. Uh, I think late eighties, early nineties. Late eighties. Yeah, she was eventually on that, and I think that this was one of her first roles before that. Yeah, I remember her in, like, Pretty in Pink and stuff. Ghostbusters, right? Oh, yeah, of course, she's uh, Janine in uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Classic role. Yeah, she, she'd, um, she'd literally done two, no, three TV movies at this point, and then it was Corvette Summer was her first theatrical film. She hadn't done any, like, syndicated okay. television or anything like that at this point. So this is her fourth credit on IMDb. Nice. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, and she brings a charm to this role that honestly just plays very well off of uh, Mark Hamill's maniacal obsession yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, because, I mean, she's got this dream. Uh, she wants to make it big as a sex worker, which, you know, more power to her, of course. But uh, uh, I love the interactions she has with Mark Hamill early on where, you know, she's trying to treat him as a customer. And uh, he's actually a virgin, yeah, he is so unsure about what to do here. He's yeah. and, and 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 you know, couple that with the fact that he doesn't have a whole lot of money. Apparently, I mean, he just kind of clams up whenever it, whenever it comes to being intimate with her. Yeah, it's because he's uh, sexually doesn't have sexual experience. You know? Yeah, but. but I think that what's also notable is how. Annie just goes through so many different looks through this movie. And yeah. every look that she has is so appealing and is just so fun to look at on the screen. I, I mean, yeah, I, she's gorgeous. I, I was amused. This is the classic uh, 80s, 90s trope of the um, female sex worker who hasn't actually done any work yet. So you get the appeal of like, ooh, this is like some illicit eroticism going on. But at the same time, 
it's the Cinderella thing of like, well, she's, you know, new at this job and she can be turned around and live happily ever after. It's like, oh, yeah, this is uh, the epitome of 80s, 90s sort of uh, romantic storytelling. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's, it's total, total rom-com shit. There's, there's a moment in this film where like, I thought it was going to take an interesting turn with the Annie Potts character. And I will just say, I agree with everyone's points. I think Annie is the, oh, yeah. the best part of this film. Uh, by a yeah. country mile. Uh, but there's a moment where like, I thought it was going dark with her character. Like It was really going to take a look at what it takes to be a sex worker in Las Vegas and, and sort of what it does to you. You know, She goes out and has that first night and comes back. She's all like bedraggled. And I thought, oh, wow, they're going to really sort of take a look at this. But then they just palm it off because really the story is about the corvette and mark hamill i understand but like that nugget there is something i really wish they'd sort of picked up on more in the film yeah it feels like there's a character arc there that's just kind of dropped just right in the middle of when it's starting to kind of boil a little bit you know yeah i mean it really only comes into play later with uh him thinking that she's gone back to that profession and you know, the tension of her maybe, you know, even later in the film, actually going back to it, you know, and or, or thinking about it. And uh, I, I think that, the you know, it ultimately it just kind of turns into this driving force for tension in the third act. And like, like you guys said, I think I wish I, w I wish that had been explored a little bit better and wasn't just that, you know. Also, unfortunately, she just sort of turns into his mother, which we get a glimpse of early in the film, this sort of absentee mm. mother, which again is another interesting element that's really not dug down into. But she just becomes like, there's, there's a moment where he, she's hosing him down in, in the car wash and she's got her hair in curlers and a nightie. <laughs> it, just, it just feels, it just feels like a, like a mother. You know what I mean? Like she's just cleaning her child off. Oh, you got mucky in the mud. Oh, you silly sausage. <laughs> you know, just hosing him down. Like it just... <laughs> It, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not like a sexual chemistry it's more like a maternal chemistry yeah it's it's kind of a weird way to go about a character like this you know i mean you you maternalize her and it just kind of and it kind of juxtaposes that with how mark hamill is acting throughout the entire movie which you know he, he's a kid he's still a kid you know yeah, bone and i were saying that he's yeah. uh an extrovert and uh just a kid and mostly seeing the world through the eyes of a child, you know, and it's first times of venturing out. So, and he just graduated, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I had one credit state that that was autism because, you know, they thought he was on the spectrum, you know? I'm Could like, be. no, that's not really what that know. is. I mean, I think it can be interpreted that way. I've seen acting like this and, um, you know, Elia Kazan picks James Dean for war, uh, East of Eden. And it's because he saw the world through the eyes of a child, almost like that famous book, um, uh, The Little Prince. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you guys ever seen The Little Prince or read the book? Yeah, I've read the book. It was basically an astronaut who came down as a little child and he, he and as a man, astronaut and he saw the world through the eyes of a child and i think right through there you captivate your audience you know what i mean yeah i mean i've done acting i'm a student of acting too you know Hell yeah so mostly you would captivate your audience through the eyes of a child mostly uh that childlike wonderment 
thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I hear you. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like being Pony Boy and uh, Outsiders. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pony Boy. <laughs> you know, they don't do that sort of uh, acting anymore. You know what I mean? Where that old fade out. You know, you don't see it anymore. Not as much. No, not really. Mm-mm. And that was old stage presence too. You know. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it it is interesting looking at uh, Annie Potts as kind of a uh, substitute for uh, Hamill's mom here. I mean, because there really just is no other actual positive female presence in his life other than Vanessa. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's uh, mom just up and leaves while he's away, right? And, you know, kind of just like, yeah, well, if he finds me, oh, he yeah. finds me. But it's like, man. <laughs> Hell, she, she she doesn't even give him a fucking key to his own house. Yeah. Like, yeah. seriously. She's a multi-talented lady of the evening that lives in Vegas, though. So yeah. she's she's very well busy, Bo. Yeah, I mean, she she goes to, like, a lounge, which, I'm sorry, in, in the grand scheme of things, lounges are tacky as fuck. Give me a dive bar or so, just a straight pub or something like that, right? Yeah, just... Your basic pub, like American Werewolf in London. <laughs> or Shaun of the Dead. There you go. But anyway, in, in the plot of this movie, uh, he builds this car, and then it's just straight up stolen from him by, while Danny Bonaducci is fucking driving the car. Danny Bonaducci. Yeah, yeah, he's in this movie. He went to get some fucking Cokes, Bo. He went to get some Cokes. Why would you go get some Cokes? How many Cokes do you need, Ash? Like 14? <laughs> I know, like Mark Hamill was just like, "Do I look like I'm thirsty? How many cokes do I? Does anybody need to have?" <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, stolen, and the cops pretty much uh, tell them, "There's no way we're going to recover this car. It's a one of a kind." It, it, it's gone. I'm sorry. And he he eventually finds out where it's at. It's in Las Vegas. So he so this is where the road trip element of this movie comes in. It's when we uh, we start uh, heading towards uh, Las Vegas or Las Huevos, as Las the Huevos. as the uh, L.A. Chicanos uh, were East saying LA. it. East L.A. Let's get that right. East L.A. Exactly. <laughs> like, th those guys are cool as fuck, man. Like they're just all about like you know we're all about class. Class, man. man. Class. It's like class. Driving it's like fifteen miles an hour. Is I can class. Feel, I can feel that though, right? Mm. It is class. It is totally class. Class, class, class. I wouldn't want to spill my drink on an intersection, right? <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, he he just kind of... Uh, it, it, to me, it's just more about, you know, the journey than anything. You know, it's like, eventually he does get the car back, but in the end, that doesn't matter, right? Because he just gives it back to the school. He doesn't... After all this time of claiming that it's his, his fucking car, he... He doesn't. He doesn't even keep it in the end. It, it, it's all about you know, his overall arc and kind of growing beyond the car a little bit. I think right? it was more of a principle too. Yeah, it's it's more or less by principle. It right? was a principle in the fact that his heart and soul was in this thing. But also, it's the fact that as it turns out, Mr. McGrath, his uh, shop teacher, he's uh, the one that's in on the uh, car th thievery. Mm -hmm. What he, he he pretty much heads up the car thievery, mm -hmm. and 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 it's kind of interesting to kind of see how Mark Hamill deals with that. At first, he's 
completely torn. He, he's, he's gutted by this revelation. And then he accepts a job only to just come around and steal the car all over again because Annie Potts wanted him to, you know? So, I mean, I guess I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how coherent is this script? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a fun script, but th there's some points where it's not very coherent, right? Bo and I were saying that, yeah, he may have had a Spider-Man 2 moment where he forgot uh, yeah. who he was, you know? Totally. Yeah, exactly. And then... And then she tries, and then she tries to make him figure it out again, you know. And, and then it's up to him how he repaints the car in one night and like changes himself. You know what I mean? Again. Yeah, which is which is weird because he, I mean, for him, uh, the salary that they, he was giving him, like eight hundred fifty dollars a, a week, weekly, dude. It's like for him, you would think that would be a, a great a great job, right? That's nineteen seventy eight dollars. Like, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in, in seventy-eight dollars oh. exactly. Yeah, dude. Yeah, adjusted for inflation, he's making some bank. <laughs> some of us make that in two weeks, you know. Oh my god. Exactly, and but but he just all of a sudden just ups and decides to take this car, take it back to the school, get his diploma, and then I guess just go off with Annie Potts into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, his. Uh... His, his journey, you know, his dream transitions from, you know, like he, he's kind of, he's, he's done the thing with the car, he's returned it to its rightful place, and now it's just about her, and she's all that he wants. And I think that's, like, the, the culmination of his yeah. character journey, right? Yeah, exactly. She's, exactly. She's all that matters at the end. Yeah. I, will, I will just throw in, I just did the inflation yeah. calculator, uh -huh. and uh, in 1980s money... $850 is now $3,100. So he was making <laughs> a lot of dough. Wow. God dang. And he dressed it. He oh, was. And that, and that was just that was just stripping cars and doing body work. Jesus. Oh, my God. That, that, that's incredible. Wow. I mean, it's what he's good at, you know? Yeah. He's got talent. Yeah, and I like how Definitely at that point so. he actually negotiates his salary and he negotiates... Uh, the manner in which that he's paid, like, listen, you know, like, you had to crush my dream for this, so, and he knows what he's worth. Yeah, so he exactly. gets he gets that extra 150 out of I, it. I get the feeling with this, I mean, just speaking about, you're talking about the script and stuff, it, it, I get the feeling that Mark Hamill's presence looms large over this production, because I've read a lot about it, and it seems to be, like, his, like, get away from Star Wars project, I want to be seen as something different. And I think the, the incoherency in the script was there to give him moments of there you go know, yeah. acting in air quotes. Whereas <laughs> I don't think necessarily the narrative makes particular sense. He's all over the place as a character, um, making lots of weird choices. And by the end, he decides he doesn't even need the car in the first place. All he needs is the love of his own mother. He also uh, feels mm. like he's not a very generous co-star. Um, he is very much like trying to do a one man show kind of performance, uh, <laughs> exactly. while everyone else is trying to make this more of a, you know, sharing the screen versus like what Mark Hamill's doing. It's very strange. It is an incredibly strange performance. It's deranged, not strange. It's, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's the car of a lifetime. It took him all year to build it. Now I'm going to drive that thing right up to General Motors' front door. <laughs> One night to lose it. Hey, that's my car! You stole my car! 
whole summer to get it back. MGM presents Corvette Summer. Somebody stole my stingray and the word's out it's in Vegas. You got a Corvette? Starring Mark Hamill, who's back from Star Wars. Oh, yeah! And Annie Potts, who's out of this world. You're gonna spend the night. Comprende, amigo? If he knew as much about girls as he does about cars, he wouldn't be so nervous. Feel off them duds, sailor, and let me see what you got. Sure. And if she knew as much about cars as she does about boys, what do you drink? she wouldn't be so jealous. Motor oil? And if you knew as much as they know about this candy apple metal flake Corvette, you'd be chasing it too. I'm helping you. Dope, I'm helping you find your car. You run up against a car thief, be liable to wind up at the bottom of Lake Mead. He's into fast cars. Why don't you write a letter to the car? Dear car. She's into black velvet. Beg your pardon? I mean, wow! Together, they find love. You have no right to take me excitement and danger ah! on the trail of a stolen Corvette. Stop this car! Stop it! I'm getting out! Oh, no, you're not! Mark Hamill, Annie Potts. It's the girl. And the time that separates the men from the boys. Corvette Summer. It's a terrific car. A fiberglass romance. Yeah, like I said, a, a maniacal madman throughout it's, the entire movie. It's almost a mental illness. It's it's a, it's the car thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but like I said, he was probably pretty loopy after yeah. his accident. Yeah. You know that. I, I think that that really had a lot more to do with it than anything. Because, I mean, the, the man's face had to be reconstructed, yeah. for fuck's sake. And Still going through recovery, even though doing the film, too. Yeah, and I can kind of get why he did a movie like this. I mean, there's some stunt work in here, but not a whole, whole lot. It's not Probably not nearly as demanding as, say, you know, what he was doing on Star Wars, and on any of those movies. So... I mean, maybe for him, he kind of saw this as kind of a low-impact role after having such a traumatic thing happen to him. I don't know. There's a lot of stunts in this movie. And, I mean, Star Wars is mostly special effects, right? And Well, he... he well, he could have had a stunt double for most of this. So. That's true too. The uh, villain, yeah, I think the so. villain, they yeah, usually, usually do. you're not wrong there. The villain clearly had a stunt double, yeah. given the crash at the end where there was a man in a black helmet <laughs> careening off the uh, off the road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that chase scene at the end, bro, where they're on the highway, like heading back from Vegas. That was amazing too. That was almost like something out of like Vanishing Point. Oh, definitely. And then, of course, you have Annie Potts the entire time just being like, where do you get off? Yeah. You know, just doing her whole thing and just tearing into Mark Hamill the whole yeah. time. She does not knowing what's going on. Doesn't no, realize. she has no idea what's going on. He just barged into the hotel room that she was filming in and just took her, yeah. you know. And yeah, that that last scene where they play chicken. It's like that. That is hilarious. 
Like they're they're in a quarry, right? Like like some type of yeah, rock quarry. Yeah, a rock quarry, and then yeah, the car chase scene, and then they end up in a a gorry somewhere, right? And then a yeah. rock quarry. Yeah. Then, and then they get back onto the the road, and that's where they have their final uh, showdown. Yeah. And everything, and he turns back around, he whips the car around, and then he and then it's like a whole chicken run right there. You know what I love is that you kind of think that they're going to do that whole trope where once the car wrecks, it just automatically explodes, but it doesn't. But they, they just couldn't help themselves. He still had to pull out his forty-five and shoot the car and blow it up. Yeah. They, they, they just couldn't help themselves. I mean... I was telling Bo, I was telling Bo they wrecked a, a nicer car, too. That was like a Pontiac... Formula 400, right? Well, they probably had four or five of them that they used. Yeah. That. I mean, that's a nice car. I was like, dude, that's an early stage Trans Am model. I wouldn't want to blow that up, you know? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Shit. But they did. They blew it up. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the the other different genres that are kind of at play here. Like, as, as a rom-com, this is... Uh, Pretty much all Annie Potts' uh, role. Like, she, she's playing the rom-com here. I mean, Mark Hamill is just in another fucking headspace. I don't know where what movie he's in. He's just coming out of the first Star Wars movie. Just coming out of the first Star he's Wars movie. He's just realizing so. what happened and that he's a big star now. He's doing his audition tape for The Joker. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I think, like, it's the 1970s. He is trying to do some sort of gritty character work. Um in a movie that does not support gritty character work. Yeah, that, that, that would explain why it feels so out of place. You know, like, like he, no. he, he kind yeah. of almost feels like he's playing it straight and not really, yeah. like, playing it like a rom-com. You yeah, know? maybe just showcase what he can do. <laughs> and, and this was the movie he chose to do that in. It's like he was watching Taxi Driver two years earlier and was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> hey, th- th- that tracks, I guess. I mean, well, they both got cars in the name, taxi, Corvette. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and an ER in the second word, summer, driver, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a reach. That's Thank a you. Reach. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> oh, but uh, Cam and Scott, you guys have kind of a personal connection with the setting of this film, right? Well, we, uh, we actually met each other. Over 10 years ago now in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to the context of people who don't listen to Spy Hards every week that are listening to this show, of course, I'm a British man, as you can probably tell. Uh, I live in England. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can't yeah. tell, but he's Canadian. Uh, he lives in Canada. And so meeting in Las Vegas in the United States is very weird. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, like uh, we attend a Star Trek con every summer so that's where we met but even like scott got married this past summer and there's a sequence in this where you see mark hamill um basically in a like dump yard for old vegas signs yeah and we actually did a we did a tour of that neon museum um was it the night before the wedding night before the wedding yeah yeah nice that's so cool i'm I've always wanted to go see that uh, neon sign graveyard because, I mean, that's just such a slice of uh, old Las Vegas history, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. They have a whole graveyard, just Las Vegas shit, I mean, too. Just, just mm-hmm. old Vegas. I mean, that the entire town has a storied history to it. Oh, You know, man. almost on the same way of, like, Los Angeles or San Francisco. Yeah, it's all highway. 
It's all, all Vegas, it's all highway to history, really. Yeah. It really is. And and that sign Vegas, graveyard Greg. has so much of like the 60s uh, golden age of Las Vegas just represented there. Yeah. You know, lots of casinos that are invariably just not there anymore. They, they've already been demolished and had something else rebuilt there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Stardust, Aladdin. Yeah. Yep. Or even in this one, they go to Circus Circus, which is now pretty run down not exactly the hot spot to be uh-huh yeah i'd imagine so yeah i mean I'm, I'm surprised it's still standing honestly we actually went and hung out there this past summer it's actually pretty cool to go to it's got all the carnival games and uh it, it doesn't have <laughs> the crowds that are in this movie but it is pretty kitschy and neat oh that's cool oh yeah so so it's more like an arcade than a casino or mm-hmm yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's a whole like theme park oh, nice. that they built inside of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a whole theme park inside of it. But also, like me and Cam are uh, both moderate fans of uh, the 1970s James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever, which of course also took place in Las Vegas. And we've done like tours around Las Vegas, looking at sites that are in there. But there was a lot of those sites in this film too. So I was sort of sitting there picking those out as well, which was nice to see. That's awesome. That, that that's a cool little connection between those two movies. Yeah. Wow. Nice. That was awesome. Yeah, that must be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for all I could tell, the quarry they were in may have been the same quarry that Bond had his like bike chase in. I can't tell. Who knows? Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not really sure how many. I, I mean, I've never been to Nevada, so I can't say what, sure. what kind of quarries are outside <laughs> of Vegas or not. So, huh? but all, all gold and silver. I don't know. It was probably more like marble or something like that, or just rock quarry or something like that. Yeah, yeah but I guess uh, we can go ahead and start just kind of getting into our final thoughts on this movie. On Corvette Summer. On Corvette Summer. I'm sure that there's a lot more that we could talk about here, you know. We probably could. Like the size of the engine. The size <laughs> of the engine, yeah. yeah we'll, you can get into that in your final thoughts. But we usually uh, start with our guests with our final thoughts thoughts so let's go ahead and uh, start with uh, cam i think this movie is a very interesting curio it's like it's basically uh it's a showcase for any pots and you can understand why she became a star it's very clear the material she is given is not great but she can run away with it and just like pop off the screen like it's very clear that this is someone who is going to be a kind of household name for many decades to come and mark hamill it's interesting to see him in kind of this uncertain phase. He's become a star thanks to Star Wars, but like, what does he do now? Mm-hmm. And it would be, I think, a little while before he'd figured it out. So I wouldn't say like overall, this is a movie that holds up particularly well, um, but it's that doesn't mean it isn't interesting to watch. Yeah, I can see where you could uh, say that it doesn't hold up well, you know? Like, especially the, the, a lot of the old uh, scenes in Vegas and whatnot, but... Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, no, it absolutely is a showcase for Annie Potts. I agree with that one hundred percent. It's still, yeah. you know, I think it's still fun to watch yeah, nowadays, even if you hadn't seen it before. Yeah. You know, you're scrolling through Netflix, you pass it once or twice, or maybe even ten times, yeah. and then you finally put it on, and like, hey, yeah, it's not a bad movie actually. So this is a good movie to watch and have fun with. Oh yeah, if man. if. You know, you're a car enthusiast, really, yeah. mostly. Yeah. But all it, right. 
Scott, uh, your final thoughts. It's it's an interesting film to look at. I, I think as a coming-of-age story, there's uh, a lot of interesting elements in here to maybe look at. I think what the problem with this film is for me is that it doesn't reach its own potential, doesn't live up to that potential. There's lots of funny, interesting, maybe even quite deep elements and plot points in this film that are just sort of left all in the name of furthering the, the story of this car and the boy in the car, which is what it's named after. I totally get it. But I just don't think Mark Hamill was the right guy to lead it, unfortunately. Uh, I don't yeah. know much about the director either, but I, I think uh, in a different director with a different lead, I think people might still be talking about this film. Yeah, the yeah. director did some movies. Like he did Batteries Not Included. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Which I saw <laughs> when I was young. Hell yeah. And I, Oh, that movie was cool. Batteries Not Included. He also did the movie Bingo, which was a really terrible dog Oh, movie. I think I remember that one too. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, going off uh, going off Scott's point, I do kind of feel like in some ways Annie Potts should have been the uh, lead in this movie, maybe. And Mark Hamill should have been the the, mm -hmm. the, the side character. Because mm. it kind of feels like his character is just kind of shoved into this rom-com featuring Annie Potts in a road movie, right? Yeah, mostly introducing Annie Potts, bringing yeah. her up as a young actress, I'm thinking. That's yeah. what it was meant for, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what it looks like. For the most part. All right, Ash, what are your final thoughts? Um, you know, I'm not a car enthusiast and but I am I am I am, I am a fan you, of You drove a Monte Carlo. You're not a car enthusiast? I know, and I loved it. <laughs> what? I, I I'm not a car enthusiast, but I do recognize, you know, like the uh, aesthetic attraction to uh to, to to certain cars you know and and uh you know as as a as a chevy guy i mean i, I could call myself a chevy guy you I like, drove a chevy I like monte, monte carlo, carlo. Come on. yeah i like um camaros too and uh corvettes are, are pretty cool too so um i i think i can empathize somewhat with you know like the character journey that uh dantley goes through mark hamill's character uh, because, you know, I've kind of had my own passions in that way. But I think, like you guys mentioned, uh, the plot isn't as well-written as it could be. And uh, I think Mark Hamill's trying to kind of deliver uh, uh, an eccentric performance, is I think a, a, a good way of putting it, um, during a time in his life, which is interesting. But I, I think that it's actually kind of... Uh, it's kind of fascinating seeing that along with uh, one of Annie Potts, I guess, you know, like up-and-coming performances, you know, and kind of like you guys said, basically introducing her to the world. Um, she does stand out quite a bit. Uh, and so I really like, you know, I think, uh, I, I guess kind of the chemistry between those two performances is, is interesting to me. And, and I think it's a fun movie to put on. I mean, I think we put this on like three or four times uh, since uh, we were planning on recording this podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun movie to just kind of have on and, um, you know, maybe maybe smoke and drink a little bit and Definitely uh, have a good time with your buds. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And mostly uh, I had to show you this because it was Mark Hamill's basically second on-screen performance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan mm -hmm. of Mark Hamill, you know, like I, I love him. Uh, I love his spicy tweets. 
I love his little, like, uh, just anytime he decides to do anything Star Wars related, I get a little giddy. Like, there was uh, a promo for the new uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor game, which, uh, by the way, I've been playing. Super, super awesome. We're doing uh, a spoiler-free episode on it very soon with Collateral Gaming. But there was a little promo with uh, Mark Hamill kind of uh, training Cameron Monaghan, and it was really actually funny. I loved it. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, they, I, I remember that uh, commercial. It was on YouTube a few times. And, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it's, it's, uh, it, he's a lot of fun. But uh, we'll go ahead and get to Robert's final thoughts. My final thoughts. Said a lot already. <laughs> I would recommend this to somebody who hadn't seen it before. And if yeah, you're a car enthusiast, probably go ahead and watch it. And... I think it's mostly like that late night for TV thing I'm used to back in the day. Kind of like uh, uh, Martin Sheen's The California Kid. Yeah. Uh, I grew up off that stuff, man. So or, or Born to Run, which we did Born last to Run, season. yeah. I, I grew up off a of late night, like action, thriller, television. Yeah, like on like, TNT and yeah. uh, TBS and whatnot. Yeah, all the old stuff. And anything car related, you know, I just fall in love with it, you know. So this... This movie is right in one of my top ten, probably, too, yeah. Top ten? Hell yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, and, and Annie Potts, I mean... Annie Potts, I mean, geez. she was... She gave a good performance, and she was gorgeous the whole time, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if she was just nominated for it or she won it, but I think that uh, she got a Golden Globe as for Best New, uh, best new Actress on, uh, for, for this performance, actually. So Nice. She is kind of the breakout performance here, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the most remarkable part of this movie other than the car. And, uh, yeah, she's beautiful. And also Mark Hamill being a lunatic. <laughs> right. <laughs> we also, though, have Brian James a few years before Blade Runner. So it's got that going for it, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. From Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, one of the car thieves, right? Yeah. He's the one. He's yeah. like, bye-bye, little buddy. And then he just drives off. Oh, he is in Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is in Blade Runner. Shit, Hell yeah, man. And they paint the car gold. I'm like, dude, why would you paint it that color? Why would you? That is so ugly, right? <laughs> it's like, I told Bo, dude, I painted a bicycle that color. It was okay when you were a kid in the 90s, but it's like, nah, an entire car color, dude. Yeah, it's one of those things that when you're younger, it sounds like it would be a good idea, it but looks it really cool. isn't. I mean, that gold flake was new back then, right? I it's know. like some goth kid saying, "Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint my entire room black." Yeah, no it's shit, like, dude. Dude, I don't think that's gonna work out the way you think it's gonna work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But as for my final thoughts, like we said, to me, this is very much an Annie Potts movie more than it is a Mark Hamill movie. It, it it literally feels like Mark Hamill's character was just and and the car itself was just kind of shoved into an Annie Potts rom com and uh -huh. there's certain elements that that it works you know but like we were talking about there there's certain uh, there's certain plot points that come up that are just kind of. Uh, I'll just kind of uh, but the Corvette chose him, Bo. Remember that? It yeah, was, it was the, the Corvette chose him. The emblem just doesn't fall on your lap out, it, of, out it, of thin air. Right? To, to me, it kind of explains why the uh, it, it, it explains a lot of the incoherence in the plot and whatnot, and why there's so many story points that are just kind of left by the wayside. So. 
But yeah, Annie Potts is amazing. Mark Hamill is a lunatic in this movie. Bless him. And but from what I understand, this is his favorite movie, which I can respect. I mean, I, I I'm sure he has a fond place in his heart for it. And yeah, the car is pretty awesome. So yes, it is. oh yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and start winding things down by uh, switching back to our. Uh, we we got maybe ten more minutes here. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, switch to our guests, Cam and Scott. Uh, just tell us about what's up with the Spy Hards podcast. Well, I mean, firstly, gents, thank you very much for having us on the show. It's it's, uh, it's actually strange. It jumped out to me as I was uh, writing my notes for this. We actually do have a bit of connective tissue with this film. We have had the composer of the score and soundtrack for this film on our show as a guest. Really? Wow. Yeah. Craig Saffin. No way. Yeah. We we had Craig Saffin on to talk about his score for Remo Williams. (gasps) And the last last air fighter, is it? Remo Williams. The last starfighter. Wow. Yeah. We also, I think, talked to him about his work on the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Oh, no way. Oh, and he did um, Cheers as well. He did the Cheers music as well. Cheers. Oh, yeah. man. Dude. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty old one for us. Actually, a couple of years old now at this point. But yeah, I mean, what's going on with us? Uh, I think by the time this is out, we will have just dropped our huge gargantuan review of Spectre, uh, 2015's James Bond film. We have a couple of interviews coming out with that too. Uh, Gary Powell, the uh, esteemed stunt coordinator, uh, as well joining us on the show that week as well so yeah a lot going on on spy hards uh plus tons of interviews in the past tons of films tons of spy movie reviews Spectre. yeah come find us wherever you find this podcast is that right. the the is last that... daniel craig movie specter that's second to last one uh, no, no time to die was the most recent one specter was the one before the one that's the one that's got dave batista in it oh yeah. man yeah, yeah those Michael aston martins were nasty dude right on. oh man mm-hmm. oh fuck yeah yeah, whenever we do a James Bond film or any spy movie, you know, you guys will be the first we'll let know. <laughs> well, Ash, cool. uh, what's going on with Collateral Gaming? Uh, make it quick. All right. As uh, aforementioned, uh, we should have our Star Wars Jedi Survivor out, uh, Survivor review out very soon. Uh, and in addition to that, we will be doing our uh, season finale of our own on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I'm so fucking hyped for this game. It's going to be amazing. Uh, part one will be a spoiler-free game launch review, and part two will go into full spoiler details and uh, wrap, an, wrap up season five of Collateral Gaming. Excellent. Hell yeah. And this is it for uh, Collateral Cinema for a timing until October for uh, season seven. Um, we've really had a great season this uh this last couple, this last uh, half a year and whatnot, uh, we'd like to thank all of our uh, guest hosts for uh, being on the show. Uh, we love every each each and every one of you, uh, and uh, also uh, you can find us on uh, Patreon at uh, one dollar and five dollar tiers for both Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts as well. And uh, and uh, one more thing, guys. Uh, uh, th- we did dedicate this season to our dear friend, uh, Dave Kelly, who unfortunately passed away uh, before our season began. So, Dave, this is for you. We love you, man. Love you, Dave. Oh, I miss you, bro. Quick drink. We miss him so much. 
And uh, yes, we thank each and every one of you for joining us uh, this uh, season. It's been a lot of fun and look forward for more commentaries, uh, more director's cut stuff. We have a Super Mario Brothers episode uh, coming up very soon on the new movie. And yeah, we will definitely still be active during the postseason. So yeah, I mean, for, for, sure, for sure, I think we, we should do Guardians 3 because that just came out this Guardians. weekend. I've heard a lot of really good we, things. Uh, I love the Guardians films. Yeah, we so. need to talk about Guardians <laughs> 3. We need to talk about Scream 6. Like, I mean, we, we really, we're going to try to stay on top of all the uh, new releases this, this summer. So stick around for that and also some other episodes and other content uh, from uh, the director's cut. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, listening to us this season. It's been a lot of fun. Guys, y'all have anything else to add? Look, uh, look for Texas Sundown. Yes, Texas Sundown. Starring our, Ashley Chancer and myself, Robert Ortegon. Exactly, with uh, camera work and some directing by yours truly here. All of us yeah, at all of L us. Company Production. At uh, Collateral Media. Collateral Media. Collateral Se- Media Production. Section 9 Studios. Section 9 Studios. And we'll try to help anybody if they need it. Exactly, yeah. If y'all need help with anything, any type of content or anything like that, uh, we might be able to help you out. So hit us up. But I guess that I, we can go ahead and wrap it up. This is kind of a, kind of a short episode for a, uh, for a season finale for us. But, you know, I think we said that all we needed to say about this movie. And uh, we have much more coming down the pipeline. More car movies, Ash. Yep. More car movies. Hell yeah. Uh, more, more disturbing movies, of course. I think we're going to be doing Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Uh, I believe we're going to... We're also going to be doing Trick or Treat, right, Robert? Trick or Treat and Halloween. How, trick or Treat around Halloween? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, anthology uh, movie? Yeah. And I wanted to pick The California Kid as one of our next episodes for next excellent, year. Excellent. The California Kid would be awesome. Starring Martin Sheen. So be on the look for that one. It's on YouTube if you can find it. Yep. yep. And yeah, just stick around, folks. We're going to get even... We're going to have even better uh, quality uh, episodes coming up. And we're probably going to be expanding our Patreon as well. So join us there. $1, $5 tiers. And I guess with that, we can wrap this season up finally. Thanks again for being on, uh, Cam and Scott, yes. from the Spy Hearts podcast. Yeah, yeah, thanks once again. No, thank you. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for allowing us to see you off on your season finale. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fun having you guys with us. Honestly. And we'll definitely have you guys back on anytime. And y'all can hit us up for whatever episode. If, if y'all have something in mind for us, like, we would love to join y'all. So... For sure. Definitely. For sure. Until then, we have we'll always have the Corvette and Annie Potts. Oh, definitely. We'll so, always yeah. have Annie Potts and the Corvette. Exactly. Actually, yeah, I like this episode with you guys. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, guys. Our pleasure. Thank you so much. And with that said, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And this was Collateral Cinema with the Spy Hearts Podcast. Season finale is finally in the can. See y'all later in October.
Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.